Hi, this is Kara Kading, and as part of the Milliger family, I'd love to introduce you to our new podcast. Everything we do here at Milliger's is done to enhance the lifestyle of our customers. Our products and services add beauty and enjoyment and just make life a little more rewarding. We are first and foremost growers, and one of the things we do best is to open a world of beauty to people through plants. And plants enrich our lives in so many ways, from cleaning our air to making everyone feel better. And everything else that we do or sell gradually evolved from our wanting people to feel better and enjoy life. I am with my mom, Chris, and I just love doing podcasts with you. We have so much fun together. And we're, hi, mom. <laughs> and Mother's Day is coming. I'm so excited. What a great time it is to be at Milliger's. Well, Mother's Day is a wonderful holiday, and it's something that everybody participates in. And I'm always so excited to see families come out to Milliger's. I think I've spent every Mother's Day here in my life. (laughs) Me too, which is great. Obviously, I get to be with my whole family. Where else could you go that it's this beautiful and to see so many happy people? Really? I mean, even on the Mother's Days that we've had where it's been (laughs) snowing (laughs) or pouring rain, at least we can come in most of the areas of Milligers and it's blooming, it's beautiful, it smells amazing. Everyone loves to bring their mom here to pick out the traditional, the hanging basket or uh, containers. So many, you can see the moms and they're with, they're just beaming. There's, you know, my son brought me out and I'm going to pick out a basket and it's just, uh, we... Well, it's one of the goals of Milligers, of course, is to be multi-generational. And it's so important to us to foster that from a young age with the children, as well as every generation. Yeah, we have something for everyone. Of course, you remember the early days here with Mother's Day when we didn't have like our big expo greenhouse like we do now where it was covered. Do you have any some, oh, uh, good memories well, to, to share? I mean, my mom was, you know, probably the dearest mother and she... I don't know how she did it because she's balancing being a mom and caring for her children and nurturing them. And, and the she same, had twins, yeah, too. So and that. at the same time, running a business. Well, it wasn't a store. It was a boiler room. We had to have a boiler for the greenhouse, and a little bit larger room was created in that there was a bathroom, and my mom had a large stove, and we had a cot for anybody that got tired. I wish we had that right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, once <laughs> in a while. Uh, that would be good. And then uh, a card table, which was like 36-inch square table. And many, many a time when the school bus would drop us off in front of the, we used to call this place the lot because there was really nothing else here. Then I'd come in there and I'd smell a beef roast or she'd be cooking spaghetti. And so we had a lot of our meals here because there was nobody else to close at night. And we worked into the evening and waited on every customer until there were none. We didn't even have an established hours because we stayed until nobody drove in anymore. I have a lot of memories of those meals here and that very humble beginning. So I guess that's why I'm so grateful to all the customers because they supported us when we didn't even look like a store. So did the customers smell this beef roast (laughs) in the greenhouse? Because I would think I would definitely want a piece. Yeah, she was a pretty good cook. (laughs) She was amazing, yeah. 
you know, in the beginning, we had a total of two bird baths, and we thought if we could sell that in a season, we would be lucky. That would be amazing. Yeah, then that's, yeah. you know, and we had maybe a half a dozen sprinkling cans, and we still carry that same sprinkling can. It was made by a company called Lawnware, and they've been gobbled up by other businesses and things, and but it's really important to me to have that same sprinkling can still in the store after 60-some years. Still tried and true. Still does yeah, its job. It's one of the best, yeah. <laughs> Is it a good Mother's Day gift? Well, okay, now Could that you be. there's an aqua one. Oh, all right. <laughs> My mom and I both love aqua, so if you see a lot of... Mm-hmm. aqua yeah, in the store, whether it's a bird bath or a clothing item. You're wearing aqua today. Oh, silly me. <laughs> or gift decor, whatever it is. It's, there's a lot of aqua. But people should have some aqua in their life. I mean, Well, it's a universal color. Yeah, it's good. With Mother's Day, of course, we have a lot of events coming up and dedicated to moms. And one of them is the Girls' Night Out, which many people come with their mom or their granddaughter. That's a nice planting experience where they can all be together. Yes, this is one of the best workshops. I feel like people are a little more, I mean, when people come and do the jumbo hanging basket, they're a little more serious. It's really important for them how that maps out and the plants in there. But when they do the mom's night out, it's a little more celebratory, wouldn't you say? Because like you said, you're coming with your friends, your family, you're having a glass of wine, and it's just a little more relaxed of, of picking out the plant material. And by then, the plants are pretty well established that you wouldn't have to leave it here. You could certainly take it home and have it if you're having a Mother's Day gathering at your house you could put it right on your porch and what a fun night in the green I mean just to have any night in the greenhouse to be able to get together with some of your favorite people just puts everyone in a good mood I love walking around that night and taking pictures and doing live videos just because everybody's so happy then there's the kids which is you know gardening with children is so important I think to their development their appreciation of the planet their willingness to care for it the just awareness I guess of the beauty around them and the great thing about container gardening is that it's no longer sending your kid out to weed the backyard I did not like that job yeah I know I did that I'm really sorry (laughs) it was like after dinner and then you're like okay Karen Eric you have to go out and weed your garden and the weeds were taller than us I remember pulling those out and just throwing them at each other that shows you that you didn't mind me you never went out there well I remember the one Uh, night of course it's always hotter than hot and having to pull those weeds and then all that soils sticking on your sweaty skin (laughs) well we've taken that out of the equation so now there is none of with container gardening no weeds nothing to do but and, and you know gardening is Well, we don't want it to have to become a workplace. We want it to be just enjoyable. So like a pet, all you really need to do is feed the plant. And And some water. It'll love you back. Yeah. The girls' night out is Wednesday, May 4th. Then the kids' one is on Saturday, May 7th. It's only $28 where they get to make that pot. I just love to see, like you said, the generations coming. So a lot of times it's grandma with the children. Or I love to see when a lot of times it's a dad Mm-hmm. coming with the kids and they're planting together. Then they get to bring it home for mom. We make it pretty easy for them to be able to pick out and to put their container together. But those children, they just, they get right into it. They don't seem apprehensive in any way. They seem very excited to get their hands dirty and start planting. Right. They're, and, they're the future employees of Milligers, I think. <laughs> yeah. 
But they have, it's just so cute to see their confidence and picking out the plants and laying it out. And they get such a nice, colorful container with a lot of variety of different bedding plants and geranium or begonia in the middle. And so it looks amazing instantly, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to take time to fill in and that kind of thing. And some people are just now becoming aware of our workshops and they've been going on since the 80s. That's about when we started. And in those days, there weren't nearly as many choices. And the very first hanging basket workshop we had, we had three geraniums, three vinca vine, and a spike in the middle. It was still the magnificent seven, still seven plants. Yeah. But, and that's what everybody did. They had different color choices, but that was the plant choice. Was As a kid, I would just remember like looking up the concourse, and we just planted like a little factory. I mean, it was always the spike, three geraniums, three vinca vine, and that was like, ta-da! Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then at that works, time, you know? did we grow their baskets for them at that time? Or when did we yeah. start actually taking their baskets or letting them plant it here, and we grew it for them? I think that we did grow it for a while. Because it was an early workshop, and that's one of the best things about the that hanging basket workshop is that they get to just plant it and walk away. Well, they should come back <laughs> in a month. Well, and we always say to come visit your basket too. In any case, the workshops every single year, and it's always fun to see new people. I mean, it had a lot of people for the uh, very first time coming, but that's offered every year. And the variety of workshops keeps expanding too. And like you said, the plant options, it, it can be a little overwhelming, especially for a new person, but we put together kind of a recommended well, area. I think that's the hard part is that everybody is always looking to do something totally different than they did before. There's a reason why petunias are like the number one specialty plant and calabacoa and you can tell when you go in the greenhouse if we're growing it in 40 colors it must be a good plant and so when you're looking for a plus combinations you can guess that they should be in your basket whereas unusual plants they might be just a specimen or something to look at in a small pot but they are not designed to be the true the A plus plants. I, I yeah. hate to call them the workhorse, but I always do because I end up saying that they're just they're just they're the pump, heroes. Let's pump, call yeah, them the heroes. The, they're pumping out flowers continually, and I mean you can't find fault with a plant that does that much for you. Right, right. I know. I always cringe a little <laughs> bit when I see someone pick one of those kind of oddball <laughs> plants in the greenhouse that they want to put in their combination, and I'll usually try to talk to them about some other alternative Mm -hmm. options just because we want people to be successful right yeah and uh, I think that's why we're so big on begonias no big on begonias I like that that could be a new podcast (laughs) well who grows more begonias and we have sought out special varieties we brought them in last summer and we've taken cuttings and reproduced them and growing them in baskets and so we have a remarkable selection but we also have these major ones, like the big begonias, the whoppers, which is not your grandma's begonia by any means. you know. And they kind of evolved as a response to the problems people had with their impatience when they got downy mildew, and they lost batches of uh, whole areas uh, yeah. of their garden overnight. 
the begonia is not only eight inches tall like it used to be, but now it can be 24 inches tall. Oh, yeah. They're amazing. Absolutely. They can grow in sun or shade. A lot of them have that diversity. And there's really no maintenance as far as deadheading or cleaning or that kind of thing. And they go all the way into frost. I mean, it's incredible. Right. And the other point is that we are continually working to provide varieties that are the ones that are going to produce the best in the garden. And so when this impatience problem developed a few years ago, we recommended to people that they not plant impatience if they had trouble in the past for about five years in that bed. Now we have several varieties that are, well, first of all, the New Guineas are completely resistant. So that is not a problem. They can plant those and not have a worry. But the other ones, the other varieties that we have are now also resistant, the regular impatience, not New Guineas, the ones you find in a bedding plant flat. We have had no problems in the last few years. So we Yeah, it's great to see their return again and to see them out there on the lot. And they just they bloom so beautifully and work great in combinations or in mass. Well, there aren't that many shade plants, so I think that that was a number one bedding plant in America before all of this happened. And now we can return to that again and at least feel confident that we aren't going to lose our garden overnight. Right. When we talk about all the different varieties and options that are in that specialty greenhouse, I know there's one plant that you just love that's been really an emerging one. Like this year, more than ever, I've seen people incorporating at least one of them in their baskets. Right. That would be the Mandevilla. This is the most amazing plant. We started carrying it many, many years ago. At that time, there were two categories of it, the Mandevilla and the Diplodenia. And the plant world cannot really get their story straight as to what to call it. Which I still think they should separate the Mandevilla and Diplodenia because they're different. Yeah, if you talk to any grower, they're really separating the two because one is so totally different than the other. But first of all, it is pronounced Mandevilla. It's not Mandevilla. Mandevilla. Um, And the reason is because it was named after Henry Mandeville, and he was a British gardener. Well, we won't go into the whole deal, but one of the diplomats named it, plant people categorized it and named it after him for the plants at that time found in Argentina. This remarkable plant blooms incessantly. It is always in bloom. It's not too demanding as far as the amount of sunshine, but it will take full sun. And then at the same time, it will grow in partial shade. Yeah, I was amazed when I planted a customer, just fell in love with it and had to have it at her house. And I said, well, it's, you know, it's not going to, it's going to get that morning sun. It's on the east side of your house. You have this overhang. We can try it. If worse comes to worse, you'll have to pull it out and let it get some sun and then bring the container back. And she's like, I'll do anything. It bloomed like crazy. She didn't have to move it. I was just so happy that it worked out there. Right. And now the color range, in the beginning, we really only had pinks and red. Now we have, of course, white. But not only that, but all of the pastels and the peaches and the yellows and their new varieties every year, there's a a lot of hybridizing being done. And the characteristics can be super large flower, large velvety reds and things. And at the same time, then there are the smaller flowered varieties with the glossier leaves. So there are more flowers, but they're smaller. And as far as the height, you know, it's amazing that any plant can reach six feet in one growing season, but they do. And yet there are some that meander a little bit and don't get that tall. And then there's bush form. 
So there's pretty much something for everybody that can be grown in a basket or planted right in the ground or in containers. I just absolutely love that we offer it in such a wide variety of sizes. So we do offer it in the five inch pots all the way up to the big 12 inch, you know, already instant gratification that are already five, six feet tall. But it does make a difference if you give them a place to climb, right? So if you have it and it is the vine type, I mean, if you don't have the trawl or trellis for them, they're not going to go crazy, but. Right. So they would at least reach the eaves of your house. I always reckon that the least expensive thing to do would be to take uh, three of the bamboo stakes that you used maybe for vegetables and make a little teepee out of it and it'll just crawl right up there. And if it gets too tall, you can always wind it back down around itself. And so that works too. Yeah, that's so easy to do. And then you just keep getting continuous new blooms. It's just incredible. Well, and the hard thing is at the end of the season, it will be blooming in full bloom yet at right around the first frost date, which is for us somewhere between the end of October and the first part of November now. But it can be taken indoors pretty successfully. I haven't gotten it to bloom very well indoors. The hibiscus is one plant that you can get to bloom. But I think that just keeping it alive is good enough, and then you can easily set it back outside next year. Are there any special tips as far as, I don't think they're very difficult in any way, but that you would recommend any different kind of fertilizer or different kind of watering? Or There was a problem that the plant was susceptible to some root rot. It would kind of break down almost overnight, and there was really nothing you could do about it at that point. But All of the breeding has been done to take that characteristic out of the plant. And so we're seeing varieties that are much more stable. It's kind of important that they dry out somewhat between waterings. They can't be wet all the time. That's why good drainage is important and a nice soilless mix. And I don't think the majority of people will have problems anymore. But sometimes they think, oh, I had that five years ago and I'm not going to do that again. But This is not that same plant. Once a week fertilizing makes all the difference in the world. And we've talked um, to our customers time and time again about the difference that makes between a good garden and a great garden. And the one of choice, of course, for us is the Algo Plus, which is water-soluble. It's number one fertilizer in Europe. And all the um, trace minerals in there, I think, is what really makes a huge difference. Right. It's just that consistency of trying to do it once a week. And there's so many people that are believers that used a different competitor uh, fertilizer and said, I'm a believer now, and this is my go-to food. Yeah, for sure. Right. How about some other plants? You know, when I talk to people, and you mentioned especially the petunias and how well they perform, but even something like Calabricoa, I remember when that first came out, and when we first had them, they were like, oh, these are a mini petunia, but they, they had some problems as far as... One of the biggest ones was that they would start to get chlorotic and they wouldn't be as green. And we had to tell people to try to adjust their soil and that sort of thing. But well, now it's completely different. Yeah, it took a little while to figure it out because they were supposed to be heat tolerant and yet they would kind of peter out in the summer. And it turned out that they were acid loving and nobody was completely aware of that. And all of the specialty plants are what we call heavy feeders. They like to be fertilized. They really need that. 
So the new varieties perform so much better. And you can almost tell, even within the class, when you look at the 40 varieties that we have, you can see that some plants are more vigorous than others. So this has become the staple in the baskets that we use in you know, municipalities when we're doing large hanging baskets because we know they're going to be there till the end of October. And no maintenance. I know right. a lot of people that just like to do one big hanging basket just to mix variety of colors of calipricoa because mm-hmm. they get so big and so many flowers. And But it does make a big difference, obviously, when you're fertilizing. I suppose that is our number one basket. I never really thought about it. When people come back and ask for it year after year, you know that it has to perform. Right. They've definitely, they've had success. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Okay. We've talked a lot about, obviously in the greenhouses, but this time of year, there's so much happening all over Milligers. One area is the patio furniture, the home decor. I love that we call ourselves now a lifestyle store. When people come or when people ask us, well, what kind of store is Milligers? It's <laughs> could take a while to explain that. but Our, well, We try to have something for everyone to just enrich their lifestyle, whether it's apparel or something for your home or your outdoor living space. We've this, um, well, by the time this podcast airs, I guess it will be, we'll have a new container, new company patio furniture, and we've been excited about that. It's been ordered for over a year, and because of the supply chain issues, it's taken a little while, but those are things we're always exploring, always trying to make a little bit better buying experience here. Just like the apparel, we tried really together. We tried we so hard, we job. bought everything that wasn't <laughs> nailed down. Yeah. But not only that, I think we tried to have a very broad range of prices. And thinking that, for instance, if somebody is looking for a dress for summer, I think $49 is a magic price point. Mm-hmm. It's affordable. You can wear it as a beach cover-up if you want to. Yeah, I have some dresses that I've actually worn <laughs> as a beach cover-up, and then I wore it out to dinner that night, and it's like, that looks okay. You know, it all works out. But if you spend $49, it's fun, right? Right. It's a small and, indulgence. Mm-hmm. What do you say to people that you are spending a lot more time outdoor living and enjoying your backyard. And we obviously highlighted the patio furniture, but what about people that have the covered porches and they want to incorporate plants in there? And sometimes that can be really challenging when we're looking at everything in the greenhouse because they just won't thrive in those light conditions. Yeah, that is a problem because people envision just a beautiful blooming plant or a hanging basket hanging in that three-season room. And that's just not probably going to happen. You might be able to bring it indoors for a party or something like that, but I think it doesn't mean you're a bad person if you decide to use something almost real. Nowadays, all the botanicals that we have for sale are the silk flowers, whatever you want to call them. I don't want to call them permanent because that gives you the idea that they're there forever and ever. And um, <laughs> Or people have like the spring wreath and they put it down in the basement and then they bring it back up for 20 years. That doesn't look good. There are so many improvements to the way the colors and the just the treatment of the flowers and the foliage is so different than it was years ago that it starts to look dated. We're recommending that they take a look at all that. Like this year, I think the geraniums that are in the almost real department of the of the, yeah, design, the design department. Right. They're they're just amazing. You would never realize that they are not real. 
And not only that, but in addition to red and white and pink, we have corals and salmons and so many things to consider. Yeah, they're beautiful. Not only the flowers, but the foliage on those botanicals is amazing. They look so realistic. So that's something they could put in that room and not have to worry about it at all. Right. And many of them now have UV inhibitors in them so that they can be put actually outside or sometimes you see them at the cemetery and they've turned blue or they've turned, you know, they've lost their color Mm -hmm. completely. So again, we are seeking out those varieties that are resistant. Yeah, those with the UV protection are great, especially for ice. And we were doing more and more of this for customers where maybe they have a window box outside on their house that they just, it's a humanly impossible to be able to water it or maintain it or fertilize mm-hmm. all those things. So by using those almost real options, they just, they have those continuous flowers and it looks beautiful as people drive by and people would never know that they weren't real. Right. So that's a lot of fun. our design department, I think, is amazing of what they can really custom do for people. And we're one of the only people that offer that customization. Somebody told me just the other day that so many people that carry the silk flowers, and of course, no one carries the quality of silk flowers that we carry. I think that that's a big part of it, because if you're going to have it in your house, it is just like a work of art. It's just like a framed print that you would have or a beautiful vase or anything of interest. Why would you not buy the best that you can find. So not only that, but like you say, our designers are amazing. They can put together just uh, a beautiful arrangement for any area. I'm so excited to be at Milliger's with you on this coming Mother's Day. It's going to be it's going to be beautiful. Where moms are going to be blessed no matter what the weather is. It's always beautiful at Milliger's, especially in the greenhouse. Right. And we're so happy that the moms have chosen Milliger's as their favorite spot. Yeah, so come and see us. Come and celebrate moms um, on Mother's Day. We're here and we're open and uh, can't wait to see you and celebrate with you. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on all the latest information and happenings here at Milligers. You can find out more details about our events on our website at milligers.com. We would love to hear from you. Send us your suggested topics and questions to me at gardengirl at milligers.com. Thanks again for listening and just keep growing.